Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I'm Lindsay Shooters and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish on this exploration of faith during a time of crisis. Um, Father Rodney, how are you doing? Good afternoon to you, Lindsay. Not doing very well through the grace of God. Is keeping as safe as we possibly can. It goes to the rest of the family as well. And um, and so I'm glad again that we are able to have this podcast to be able to connect with our people. Uh, good afternoon to all of you. And i um, glad that you tuned in to, to participate in this podcast, weekly podcast uh, with the exciting opinionated man, Lindsay. Thank God for his recovery as well. Thank you. Father, it's the fifth Sunday of the Epiphany. Um, but let us first, before we get into the meat of today, I believe, or a little birdie told me on the slide that I'm looking at, um, that there's in-person ministry happening at the church from next week. Yeah, Lindsay, we've now gotten some feedback from the Archbishop's Advisory Council via our bishop. And given what the president has said, uh, we are now going to start we are now able to arrange services in the church. Uh, there are two things. One, a service in the church with only 50 attendees, which includes those who serve. So about 43 to 44 people can join us. Um, and then if we're going to host outside services, we can do so up to 100, still mm. with the necessary protocols of the social distancing, masking and sanitization. So on the 14th of, of, Mar of February, we'll be having services at eight o'clock at St. George and St. Mark's, I think, and 10 o'clock at St. Monica's, and then Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday service this year is not going to be in the context of the Eucharist. There will be a, a service in which the focus is the imposition of the ashes. So um, what we will do is have a six o'clock service in the church for again uh, only 50 people, and then we could have a service. We are arranging a service at nine o'clock outside, depending on the weather, of course, mm -hmm. uh, where we are able to then have a hundred people in the parking area, and then at seven o'clock in the evening again on at in the church with 50 people and we will then um i think the services will be at about half an hour each or so and mm -hmm. then um live stream as well because those are not able to come uh we have an instruction on how they can um receive the imposition of the ashes and it is totally um uh viable um, in terms of spiritual ministry outreach. And then, of course, every Sunday going forward, we'll have the eight o'clock service. Only when we do baptisms, we'll be introduce a second service on the second and third week of the month, which will be at 10 o'clock, but we will keep people informed about that. We must keep in mind, though, that all the services we are able to have uh, inside the building, only 50 people can attend. They must be registered. They must be masked social distanced as well as having their sanitizing of their hands and they must not come if they have any uh, fever, red eyes, coughs and so on. So the preference is them to stay at home and become better there. We must take in cognizance that there are now variants of the virus, uh, some of which are far more easier uh, infectious than the, the original one was. So we've got to be careful of that. We are grateful for the vaccines that are coming our way. And when I mean, the rollout will be started, particularly with the frontline workers, mm -hmm. um, we do thank God for that. But that does not mean we must relax the protocols of masking, social distancing, and hand sanitization. Uh, this thing is far from over. And mm. As a church, we've got to be as obedient as we possibly can. So we can introduce baptisms and marriages and uh, in the service. 
As for Sunday school and confirmation, because we can only have 50 people inside, mm. uh, we have the mm. Sunday school in the pew leaflet and confirmation people, organizations to consider how they will meet if they wanted to meet under the new uh, protocols for level three. Remember, mm. we are still under three. And there's a warning that keeps saying the possibility of resurgence is always real. Mm. And then I also mm. ask the, the, the membership to make sure that we uphold the protocols, even though there are some disobedient priests and ministers out there who keep breaking the law and um, trying to embarrass the rest of us as if we lack faith. Faith and responsibility are, are, are hand in hand, and uh, the preservation of life is very important. So we can't be irresponsible. The church has got to find a way to be the church in these very difficult times. And Father, so I'm you are... grateful to our parishioners, really, all three congregations. I'm very grateful for their compliance, their cooperation in all of this. Mm. Father, you have almost preempted my argument <laughs> in the discussion part. Um, the theme you have extracted for this week is Everlasting God, make us agents of your healing and wholeness. This is a line from the collect that you will read in a moment. Um, but I just need to say up front that we were, my family and I were at the beach this morning, and there are many, many, many Cape Townians who are not being agents of healing and wholeness during this pandemic. There was almost zero protocols being observed on the beaches. Um, we thankfully left, uh, moved on to a more secluded spot um, where we had pretty much the run of a large piece of land to ourselves, um, far away from the madding crowds. But yeah, um, mask wearing, sanitizing, physical distancing is all crucial if we want to keep the freedoms that we have just been granted again. Um, on that note, Father, if you could please call us together with the collective prayer, and I'll catch up with you after that. As Lindsay has said early on, we're in the fifth Sunday of Epiphany. We'll come to the end of that season as we prepare to go into Lent. It is also Education Sunday in the Anglican Church of Southern Africa. Uh, we think of the schools that will be opening or schools that have been opening. And it bears in mind that the conversation Lindsay and I had early on, where some people are able with the resources to uh, continuously educate their children in other parts of our uh, beautiful city and country. There are communities that are really challenged because they lack resources. And we just hope the government will do um, a feasibility test so that all of us can benefit no matter where we live and how much money we have in our pockets. With this, I greet you um, with these words. The Lord who heals the brokenhearted is with you. Thank you for joining us at the online service. And we continue to pray for your homes as spaces of worship and relaxation. The Infoid Hymn is a hymn that sings praise to the Lord who is almighty. And it's the hymn that we will now uh, pray in the collect, which is prayed throughout of the Anglican Church in Southern Africa. If you're able to extract the Pulifet, pray with me. Everlasting God, you heal the sick and restore the distressed. Make us agents of your healing and wholeness, that your good news may be experienced throughout creation. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, again, I would like to state that all of the, like the, some of the prayers and definitely the colic is down in the podcast description. So on the device that you are listening to this, um, you can just click on and then there should be a text box there with all of that information in there. Father, this week we pick up directly where we left off last week um, at the synagogue 
Jesus leaves, um, this is the gospel according to Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. <sighs> the question of faith versus so context my father passed away moving on to four years now ago um of cancer complications um started with his colon and then just ravaged the rest of his body ending in his brain as well um and one of his brothers was quite committed to um a more charismatic idea of of worship and they were up in Pretoria the one time and they laid hands on him and tried to drive whatever out of him. And I mean, my father was a faithful man in the Anglican church, was a lay minister, um, very, very, very committed Anglican. And at that time, he was obviously quite low in his faith because you can see this as being some sort of punishment. So he was very receptive to this kind of, I'll say, aggressive treatment. <laughs> it, mm. it obviously did not do anything because that's not how these things work. Um, where do you stand on faith in the face of an illness like cancer? Mm. I think faith is always present in us. Mm -hmm. It's a response from our hearts with our minds, and often we give expression to it through our words. When we look at the, this particular incident mm -hmm. um, where Jesus comes from the temple, oh, sorry, the synagogue, where the, the four, five of them had worshipped, in the Jewish way. It doesn't tell us he was doing anything special except worshipping with the, the local community. Mm. And the conversation of the mother-in-law's condition was only brought up once they entered the house. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, faith is present when they tell him about it. In fact, the Gospel of Mark said they told him about her at once. So the concern for her was on their minds, opportunity arose. So the action of faith in that text for me is when they pointed out to him her condition. Now, Jesus does not go there and say, if you have faith, then I will heal you. Hmm. Jesus responds without any words but only with action. Mm. Uh, he touches her hand and lifts her up. And still having said nothing to her, according to God, the Gospel of Mark, or the, the Gospel writer, she then serves them uh, um, as if nothing happened to her. Did we see any resistance by her? For example, when he took her hand, did she pull it away? No. Mm. When he lifted it, did she resist? No. Would that not be seen, therefore, as the expression of trust and belief that the one who was holding her hand, and the one who was lifting her up, was mm. the one who will be in her healing? But I want to point out that the theme that we have focused on He's saying, Lord, make us agents of healing and wholeness. So I think there are prayers that people assume they can demand God to act in a particular way. Hmm. These, these four of them said she was ill with fever. No demand on Jesus. They didn't tell him what he must do. They just pointed out their concern for a mother-in-law that was down with fever. And as I said in my 
sermon earlier today when I was uh, doing the, the YouTube for tomorrow, I be believe that here was just the presence of, of Jesus himself brings about the healing. How God responds to us without us deciding to dictate to him is crucial. Because when we try to make demands on God because we are praying to God and when we are trying to access it, we have the power to bring the healing. It is God who brings the healing. The agents only pointed out to God, to Jesus, where the need was. God responds. And does he look for faith? Does he respond when there is no necessary feature of faith? God is God. He's not, he's not dictated to by who we are. Um, in love, he, re he receives us even when we are struggling to believe. The wholeness part comes in for me is that it includes healing in, in the life hereafter. It is not just about asking for healing in the this life and demanding a miracle happens now in front of our eyes. The miracle includes the life beyond this earthly life to which God calls us. And for me, that is what, what is important. If Jesus chooses to heal us in this life, we get up and do what, he need, what we need to do. But that doesn't mean we're not going to get sick again or we won't die. Mm. Um, so we must be very careful that we demand faith. And again, here, yeah. do we know what we are demanding? For me, these people come out of worship with Jesus. They acted in faith by worshiping the community. Mm. When they saw the need of the mother-in-law and remembered, they told Jesus quite, quite very ordinary, uh, concerning, compassionate actions. And Jesus didn't demand any action of faith on her behalf. When he took her hand, gently she responded with gentleness. Mm. So I'm very cautious that people would want to manipulate God. Because you see, when, when, when people seem to have manipulated God into bringing healing as we would understand it to be, then who takes the justification for the action? Not God. We take it because our prayers worked. Is mm. that what it's all about? No. It's the action of God that matters. We are but agents mm. of the bigger picture here. We are not the ones who control the power of healing, nor the presence of faith. I like the way you frame that, um, where it's like, it, it, that, and, and that's, I mean, it, it's similar to the point that I brought up last week in, in response to kind of the coverage or the analysis or the, what the experts are saying out there about like COVID is like they don't want to help they just want to be right so it's like most people just want to pray have that demand and then have it met and then it's like oh yes it happened because I prayed and it's yeah I I, I love the way you you framed that um that's it <laughs> Um, again, I, I, I can only refer to it because it happened to me quite recently while I was in hospital. Um, the gentleman who was in the room with me, his wife was in ICU. Um, she came in before him with COVID a couple of days before him. Um, he went through ICU and moved on and then was discharged like the Wednesday, I think. And she was still on a ventilator. And I heard this gentleman, very, very faithful man ping pong between the positions of what God wills must happen and please God show this thing that you are stronger than it and have this woman come home. And it's, it's that dichotomy that is, it, it's pretty much the lowest point I can see a faithful Christians sinking to where there's just a sense of betrayal 
but it's because of your assumptions that you have placed on God. So like for me, um, I'm, I'm obviously quite agnostic in my, in my beliefs and stuff. So like for me, like Jesus isn't going to come and heal this person. <laughs> in the you way know, we like, expect. Yeah, that, that, that's not going to happen. But it, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to see people. It, it's, uh, on one hand, I feel it's where it, it's, it's for me one of the biggest problems that I have with the massive focus on like that unerring faith, where it's like it becomes a crutch for so many people. It's like, no, you, yes. The idea of letting Jesus take the wheel is that you still need to drive. You, know? <laughs> you still need to have your foot on the accelerator. He's just taking the steering wheel. But so many people are like, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to leave it with God. And then they do nothing. And it's like, how, how, how do you expect? This is the physical realm. You need to do physical things to advance the situation. Yeah, that, that's just my little rant on that. I don't know if you have I, any counterpoints. My response, my response to you is is the words that President Biden used with the prayer breakfast that he had the other day via Zoom, uh, which is one of the first um, tasks of the of the President of the United States to the wider community. And um, he used the words of Soren Kierkegaard, a philosopher from Sweden, and he said, Kierkegaard said, faith is best performed in the darkness. Mm. Now, often our, our believing in the darkness doesn't, doesn't take the darkness away, mm. but it helps us mm. to journey through the darkness. The words of Psalm 23 are relevant. Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, having just experienced God's goodness and God's generosity in providing all that my soul needs, the nourishment and the, the, the quietness and the relaxation in his presence prepares me for going through the valley of the shadow of death. And so often um, we don't want to, to do that journey. We pray that immediate light shines because mm. that's what we think our faith demands. Mm. But that's not. If you look at, if you look at this, these passages, Jesus is not asked by any of the disciples to do things mm. that they wanted him to do. We see they told mm. then they brought people mm. but not once mm. did they say. At the end they said everybody's looking for but never did they say now that we've brought them do what you need to do. They left that up to God. Their belief and trust was to place it into the hands of God mm. without conditions. Mm. That is why Jesus says, when we pray, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. So in other words, Lord, you must do what you must do. Mm. But you have brought us to share in what you do by pointing out where the needs is prayerfully, by bringing the people who need to be in your presence prayerfully, mm. by telling you the need that people have for you. But we never say to you what you must do because we, we don't fully what God is intending to do. Mm. We mm. must be open to what we must do. In fact, taking mm. it to them, I hope I'm not jumping a little bit, but I'm just saying when Jesus heard the words, everybody's looking for you, he was not saying, Where are they? His response was, Let us across. Galilee, and in fact, the last, the second last text says, and he went through the whole, he went through the whole of Galilee, throughout of Galilee. Mm. So it wasn't just, did he heal everybody there? No, the story starts off when he heals one, and then the many, but not all. 
all of those healings will give hope to us. That even when we die, you know, we're not excluded from the wholeness that he brings and the healing that he brings in the totality of life, that which we know and that which we believe. Mm. Yeah, I like I like the, the verse 38 where he answers, let us go on to neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. So it's like, cool. Like I, I, I understand what you're saying where, where they never asked him to do anything, but like bringing the sick people to him, there is an expectation there. <laughs> and, sure, there is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, what, what, what must be done now? You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, this, this obviously comes directly after the synagogue incident, and now he's just kind of doing his Jesus thing, and he knows that it's serving the greater good if he now gathers this momentum. Because, like, what did they say? The whole city was gathered around the door, mm. um, just watching in awe as their fellow citizens are coming out there jumping and leaping and praising god to quote a line from the the, the song um so so like i like i like i dig this and he's like cool so i need to proclaim the message because it's the message that is going to be the salvation for a lot of people uh but yeah i i I came into this, I only had one argument coming into this, and it's this whole idea of, of like, you know, raining the fire down on on the stuff. It's, it's the same thing with the vaccine, where, where you say, like, people just want the immediate light. Like, the vaccine for so many people, and you see it among the politicians who are now taking the government to court for further explanation on how everything's going to be rolled out. And it's like, dude, you just need to park now. Um, let us do the thing. <laughs> we, we, we can't talk about the thing. It's not going to make the thing happen faster. But again, like the vaccine isn't that immediate relief that the world needs. Like there's still, it's going to take time. Like look at the US now. They're having shortages in the vaccine. Their rollout is compromised. Move to Israel where, yes, there's, they've been vaccinating a lot of people, um, but what are they doing about the Palestinians? You know, you don't hear about, <laughs> like, the people, the other people in that country benefiting from, but, all, like, it's not, the, we, the lessons that we can take now out of what is close, moving on to 365 days of living in this pandemic, with this pandemic, is the social distancing, the things that we can physically do to help stop the spread of this virus. The vaccine is one of those things. Absolutely. It's not, Absolutely. It's not like we can, after everyone's vaccinated, we can now stop wearing masks and we can just all hug each other and do all the, no, <laughs> it's like we still need to be active participants in stopping yeah. the spread of this virus. I think you know that cap that is captured in the words of Jesus when when the disciples were looking for him. I think the text said they hunted for him, mm. um, and they found him, and they said to him what they wanted to say. Everybody's looking for this, so there's a rush here. Here's a mm. You know, you've had the many, you've had the one, and now everybody is, is yeah. looking for it. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a panic here. There's a panic here. A panic that, you know, is he going to be able to reach everyone? Jesus' response to that, to the very people looking for him, the very people he worshipped with, the, the, the house that he entered into and healed, mm. those who brought sick people to him, Jesus now says to them, let us go. So part of the way forward is not going to be one of us now having the medical cure, we're going to sort everybody out. Mm -hmm. Now I want you to go with me because the action of ministry is very, very difficult. Mm. 
to, to roll it out is not an easy task. We need a team committed. Uh, um, I need your participation in my, my purpose to bring this message of hope to the mm. people. The rollout of that message you have to be part of. Um, and 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 so whilst people are ultimately dependent on the healing and the wholeness I bring, you are part of that ministry. Uh, part of the logistics of carrying out the strategy of ma of ministry, his 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 purpose is heaven ordained, but it 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 comes into a messy world to be rolled out, and that's not yeah. and that's not easy. And Jesus didn't come as if he was the only one. He was about his father's business. And I think two things in this two occasions in this pericope says to me how dependence and connection with God is so important. Um, they were. They came. They came from the temple, suggesting that they were in worship, suggesting that they they were reflecting on a subject that would help their spiritual development, their mind, their intellect, so that their engagement with the world is, is of quality, uh, mm. as it were, listening mm. to the mind of God, and then Jesus at prayer, and. And I think, you know, when, when he was at prayer, it was celebrating what he was able to do before the Father. It was, it was receiving affirmation in his purpose and also being encouraged to continue. God could have healed everybody just like that, and, 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 but that's not the process. That's not how the will of God is, is revealed. It's, mm. it's not in... It's not in the sphere of our time, but in the purposes of God, which is beyond time. And mm. so the rollout is important. Though the anxiety is there, everybody, mm. we have to, in, instead of becoming um, enemies of each other, the us and them scenario, the government now has the vaccines, but now instead of saying to the government, let's sit down and work this out, how can, what role can, and we play all of this mm. so that everybody that that must get it must get it going to court now will now stifle the process of getting this vaccine out and mm. that is what we're trying to avoid those who are corrupt and who are syndicated will also want their peace because they see money available here mm. we must pay mm. them out this is the demon we must cast out because mm. there will be those things that will want to hinder so, so Jesus is saying, let us be part of the solution. Mm. Don't become an unnecessary obstacle. We know that the one who got healed, the many who got healed, now everybody wants it. Let's process this thing. Because mm. Jesus then said, we must go from village to village. And he does, in fact, say the hope that arises, he went throughout of Galilee. Throughout mm. of this broken mm. world, this world in which there was um, uh, incomplete lives, the lives that were in disarray as a result of everyday living, um, that even though there was the, the synagogue was there and and it was the 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 the, the um, agent of healing and wholeness, um, but it was it was there as a result of being part of what God wanted to do for the world. So I think that um, the disciples seem to have no problem with him saying, "Let us go, let mm. us," go. and and so they become became part of the meeting. I was thinking of how this um, text has a conversation with the theme. How did they become agents? They were asking mm. God to make them agents. So that process of of, of formation, information, mm. and shaping their minds and their hearts and their lives. So in other words, let us go, is I'm going to expose you. You're going to become mm. part of my team. You will yes. see things and I will explain them to you so teaching will happen. And so you'll be part of being shaped into those who will be able to Tell me where the healing is needed. Bring people mm. to me and also look for me when you think I'm not there so that everybody can get the message. 
I also wanted to just say that the message is fulfilled in the ministerial action. That what Jesus proclaims is determined in the action of the ministry that he exercises. So when we look at, at, at the healing, the word cure comes up in there. Mm. The exercising, all of these are aspects of the saving act of God's love is incomplete, mm. lacking in integrity. Okay, um, just one little point. So the the mother-in-law was Peter's mother-in-law, called Simon, Simon at this point still, yes. Um, so he is the rock that the church was founded on. Um, and the beloved disciple was this a catalyst moment for him i don't know what the theology says around the significance of the healing of his mother-in-law um, i know there's a lot of talk around that it kind of states that he was a widower and it's kind of putting his house in order so that he can go and then do his business with jesus um where 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 is the theology on on the fact that it was simon's mother-in-law if you look at the the mark eight twenty seven, um where jesus asks the disciples who do you think who do people say that i am and who do you say that i am and peter ventures out and tells him you are the messiah the son mm -hmm. of the living god and Jesus then says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but God has revealed this to you. But that same Peter then goes to say to Jesus, uh, do not talk about your death to us. Mm. Now, flesh and blood hasn't, hasn't revealed, but God has revealed this to you. So in the first account almost of Jesus now, giving them a sense of his purpose when he calls them to follow him mm. uh, they see in their own presence what is being revealed about who Jesus is and why they should continue carrying on serving him, following him he doesn't despise their worship, he worships with them mm. when they point out things to him he acknowledges us he draws them into his ministry. He is not lost to them because they can find him. They journey with him. And as they growing, each of the disciples grew at their own pace. Each of them with their various skills and knowledges and the roles that they played. Mm. I believe this was one of the ways that Peter was beginning to be shaped. Mm. As he took in what was being revealed of Jesus, he comes to that confession of faith to be able to say who Jesus is to the world. So Jesus was saying to him as part of the not him isolatedly, him as part of the group of disciples, that how am I going to build the church I want to build, this assembly mm. of God that will be my agents in the world? I build it with people, and I seek in them how they are responding and growing to to where they where 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 I am confident that I can now share the responsibility with them. Peter mm. stood out in terms of his leadership role. So I don't think that the rock was only meant to be around Peter. It was going to be a shared, but Peter as leader of mm. that community certainly so but this was certainly for me a start because here he began to see whom he was following so mm. that he could make the confession of faith eventually about who jesus is and even make the mistake of trying to rebuke jesus even mm. that dichotomy of both having received the revelation but also acting in human ignorance <clears throat> Yeah, so like this is definitely like Peter's epiphany moment um, from my perspective. That the same way where 
So it, it's interesting that it, it's Peter and Mary Magdalene that had direct healing moments um, or interventions from Jesus. And then that shows with their extreme faith and importance in the, the Christian narrative um, moving forward. Uh, am I grasping at straws here? No, I don't think so. I think that their, their personal uh, journeys, their personal encounter with Jesus is a very vital part of their testimony of who mm. he is. That doesn't mean that the others didn't have some were able to describe it and give their testimony publicly. Others perhaps did so uh, where none of us noticed, but their stories weren't told, but it was definitely mm. showed in the people that whom they touched by virtue of their own faith and their trust in, in him. So, so I think that um, sometimes the things that are, I mean, Peter being a fisherman and being as... Um, as as dynamic or or outspoken as he was, being a fisherman was a tough life. Mm. Mary being a downcast because she was seen as the demon possessed lady, as a prostitute, mm. you know, shows that Jesus is willing to associate with with anybody, and he mm. brings them the transformation that is needed in their lives, and they become terrific um, testimonies. But their testimonies is not to put themselves on pedestals is the yeah. point out who put yeah. them to this point. And so that is the in crux of the matter here, is that through them, others have a window uh, to, to Jesus and can, can then be able to follow Jesus. So I think their testimonies, as anybody's testimonies, are, are very vital. Mm. You, for example, mm. told the story earlier of the struggle of the man next to you whose prayer prayer was really struggling because he was deeply uh, desperate to also have his wife be fully recovered. Mm -hmm. For me, that's an important uh, part of the testimony, testimony as we grapple with COVID. On the one side, people die. On the other side, people recover. Thankfully, more recover than die. Mm. Now, we caught with um, a struggle of our faith because does it mean that God has been bad to us because those for whom we pray for healing died? Mm. And that those who have recovered, if we prayed for them, then we have been blessed? I think if we go down that route, we're really barking up the wrong tree because... Mm. It's a struggle. Both those who have died and those who have recovered, in them uh, we can see the victory of God. Mm. Um, just today we were reading at the funeral service of Auntie Doreen Trotter. Um, after Paul says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? He goes on to say, thanks be to God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So death cannot separate us from the love of God and neither mm. can returning to the life to, to serve him here. So we must be very clear. This is all about God showing his love. Whether those of us who have to die now die and those who are recovered continue to live in the earth doesn't mean that the battle is lost in no ways it is. But the struggle is intense. And so that story in your um Hospital room is a very crucial story to tell. Mm. You know, it's like the story of Peter and like the, the story of, of, of um, Mary. You had an epiphany in my view because you saw the struggle and how deep the struggle was, but you also related that to your dad mm. and, and the struggle that his family had, his, his brothers and sisters had in terms of how does charismatic faith should bring about healing. Does mm. it? Is that all part of God's purpose? No. So, you know, you are correct when you say this is a sincere exploration of faith <laughs> when the darkness is dark, mm. you know. Um, and, and so that uh, brings us to this point here where 
let us continue the journey, Jesus mm. says. There's many others who need to, to be touched um, in this life and the next. That's, that's part of the journey is for me to do what I came to do. That's mm. the task. Mm. And I came to save even those who died. So that's the completeness of my work Jesus comes, comes to offer us. Mm. Yeah, there was an interesting moment um, this past week as well. A friend of mine um, lost both his parents um, weeks apart, um, both with COVID taken up in hospital. Um, there were two distinct stories within that as well. With his mother, um, she was admitted during the real thick of um, the the second wave and the hospital didn't inform them like when she died it was only like a couple of hours later that they informed them and he was quite um, upset about that but then with his father um, who was taken up into ICU while I was still in, in hospital um, his father they were allowed to come in um, with full PPE and um, say their, their last goodbyes um, but but I told him um, while his father was in hospital, like the best chance he can possibly have to make a recovery is inside of the hospital. And he he, he said to me um, when I was sending my condolences that they've he's now been inside there and he can see how well his father was treated, and that like if he couldn't recover there there was no possible chance that he could have done it like at home or a different facility or whatever like yeah and yeah it, it it's it's a it's a sad story but 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 i think it's a very important story to tell as well um about that and on that father if you have any other points of reflection that you can extract from the prayers of the church um this has been a a very very robust conversation i thank you for that Thank you very much. Um, I just want to conclude with words I read from a biblical scholar named Elizabeth Johnson. And she said, a contemporary church that thinks it has remained faithful by keeping its theological skirts clean without getting its hands dirty in the mess of a broken and suffering world, neither hears nor follows the Jesus of Mark's gospel. I think that's a striking challenge um, alongside the prayer, God make us agents of your healing and wholeness. Keeping our theological skirts clean means in one sense, well, God, you just clear up the mess as we ask you to, and that's it. No, we've got to get our hands dirty in the mess. And sometimes that mm. means some will recover and some will not recover in this life. But, uh, you know, the messiness of death, they, you know, we have to journey through, but knowing that the victory lies with him who loves us. We want to say thank you to God for his greatness, abundance in power and his understanding, which is without measure. And we give thanks with the psalmist that God has lifts us up when we are down, heals us when our hearts are broken and binds up our wounded minds. And so we continue to pray that even as Jesus sought out a deserted place to pray, God give your church wisdom to be still before you so that even as you begin to reopen, you may be refreshed and invigorated for your service so that we can sing and give you thanks for all your wonderful works. We ask God to take our economic and political aspirations and shape them to your kingdom. And here especially we pray for the rollout in our nation of the vaccines and that in all nations that it will not be interrupted 
by corruption, nor will it be interrupted by those seeking political advantage. We thank you, Lord, for the for responding to Simon's concern for his mother-in-law. So our prayer this week is for support of all who care for the elderly, especially young carers and those struggling to cope with caring. As we pray, praise you for the healing touches you brought, the exorcisms that you fashioned. May you pour out your compassion on all those whose needs we bring before you. And so we commend to you all who have died, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. May you bring them and all the departed to share in your blessings. We want to be faithful together in praying at this time of COVID. Uh, as the rollouts happen, author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, give us wisdom to find relief and faith to be responsible, granting us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. And we continue to create awareness and um, we continue to advocate and are active in. Um, raising our prayerful voices against gender-based violence. O God who sits above the circle of the earth, may your kingdom of justice come, may your will of peace eradicate from our hearts violence to ensure that no person is victimized and that all is respected and protected. As we pray for our continent, we also pray for all continents. With our political leaders, we pray, God bless Africa, guard our children, guide our leaders, and give us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And then in conclusion, go now and trust in God's mercy for your strength. Proclaim the good news wherever God calls you. And do not set yourselves apart from others, but it be all things to all people for the sake of the gospel. And my sisters and brothers, may God give you the strength and, and freedom of an eagle. May Christ be the bread that nourishes and renews you. And may the Holy Spirit be the rising wind beneath your wings. When we go, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.